this morning, we are talking about accepting no substitute. You see, um, there's so many things in this world that try to be God, that, that we try to make God even, and it doesn't match up. Now, like I said, there are some, some generic things that are out there that, that may or may not kind of fall into the, the realm of close to the original, but for the most part, you're going to be able to tell the difference. Sometimes we settle for generic anyway, because maybe the taste doesn't really matter too much, or maybe the cost is, is, uh, is a lot better than the, the original is, so we go with that. Um, it's funny, you know, one of the things I had actually thought about, because probably the biggest thing I can tell the difference of between uh, generic and the original is actually Velveeta cheese, but I didn't really want cheese gelatin um, up here to have to make somebody take a bite out of, so I decided we wouldn't do that. But um, I'm not sure if you ever make queso. I love to make queso. You know, take some Rotel. You put some, uh, some of the cheese in there, mix some other stuff in there. But if you ever use the generic cheese, it doesn't melt. It, it gets all clumpy. Look, I don't even want to tell you what it actually looks like, but it tastes even worse. And, um, you know, it, uh, it, it makes a big difference in the original versus, uh, versus the generic. And, you know, last week we started our, our new, our new uh, series called Ten values to build uh, firm family foundations on. And when we look at that and we see all these things that we have to, to build our, our strong foundations, last week was put God first. This week is accept no substitutes because some of the things that we decided to put first are our idols. And if you would do me a favor, go to Exodus chapter 20 for me. And in Exodus chapter 20, if you don't have your Bibles with you, it's, uh, it's up on the wall. And if you, if you need a Bible, if you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible... I would love to uh, be able to get one for you. We're actually, excuse me, in the process of ordering some for the, the kids, and they're actually a new believer's Bible that answer all sorts of great questions about, um, about things we have questions on, actually. And if you don't have a Bible, we're, we're going to be ordering some of those, so we'd love to, to give those to you. Um, so let me know if you'd like to be a part of that. Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5, it says, You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind, or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are. And and there is no substitute for you, yet we try so hard to find something, something that we can put in our lives that is easier to control or easier to manipulate or whatever it is. Lord, help us to today see exactly who you are through all of this. We pray it all in your name. Amen. What does God say in this verse, or this, these two verses? Two things. Don't idolize anything, and second, worship God alone. That's really what he's saying. It's coming right down to it. He's being very blunt. Last week it was put me first. Now it's don't idolize anything and worship me alone. We see that but we get to thinking to ourselves, well, you know, it's not like we bow down to statues. At least, not that I know of. Um, it's not like we, we go out and we say, oh, yeah, we're definitely doing this intentionally to put this in front of God. But what does it mean here when it says don't idolize anything? What's an idol? What would we consider an idol to be in our lives? And being the fact that, uh, that we're kind of like a small group here this morning, um, I, I am more than fine with it. You just... Tell me an answer. What do you think an idol is? How about the answers on the screen? You can just read it to me. I, you, there's no way to get it wrong, I promise, okay? Huh. 
Yes, correct. Very good, very good. That guy's a doctor right there. Um, you know, uh, that's exactly what it is. It's taking the focus off of God and putting on something else. And how many things in our lives do we do that? Okay, I'm not a soccer fan. I've never really gotten into the whole soccer thing. Soccer is fairly slow and boring to me. I, I played it when I was little, but watching it on TV, it's like, oh, they keep passing it backwards. Who in their right mind on offense goes away from the goal? It, you know, it just does I can't fathom it. But right here, yesterday sat down and watched the World Cup, and I watched the full 90 minutes plus the halftime commentary and the few minutes beforehand. I was, I was impressed with myself um, to be able to sit through that. Um, and, and not actually want to put a gun to my head in any way, shape, or form. And it was, it was somewhat exciting. I invited Scott over. Because so, watching by yourself has got to be even more boring than watching it with somebody, so, honestly. So I invited Scott over. We actually gave each other high fives from the England goalie. Actually missed the easiest, probably, goalkeeping all, right through his hands. And that was it. And it was great. And we tied one-to-one. And, but did anybody else watch it? Nobody else watched it. Omar did. Had a boy. I knew Omar would. Um, if you has anybody ever watched any soccer ever? There's this weird hum in the background of every game. It's just and I, and we have the surround sound on to get it all jazzed up. And I'm like, I feel like I'm sitting in a beehive. It's just this weird and all of a sudden and you're, what is going on and. They show pants across the crowd, and they all have these horns, and they blow them for 90 minutes. 90 minutes of... And, of course, they were doing it before the game, so we're talking... And I'm sure alcohol plays a factor in all that. But at the same time, I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And this is the World Cup, and, of course, everybody else makes a real big deal out of it. Most of us in here, it's like, hey, you know, if the U.S. makes it the championship game, we might watch it, and even then I'll watch it on mute so I don't have to hear the horns. Um, you know, it, it's, you, you hear all that and you see all that, but around the world, soccer players are idolized. And when I mean idolized, I mean they are small gods. I mean, all they did yesterday was talk about Rooney. I don't even know his first name. I think it's Ed. But um, the, uh, if you watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you get that. Uh, you know, uh, the whole idea... All they did was talk about how great this guy was and how he was doing this and how the, the best guys in the field. And they're talking about all the players that are going to make a difference and just, they're amazing. You know how big soccer is in the world and how much people actually idolize soccer? There was a commercial on during the game yesterday. It was a Hyundai commercial, but they actually have a church. Was it in Argentina? In Argentina, that they actually worship soccer. Their God is soccer. They were, because they made a joke of the commercial that soccer can be a religion, but their God literally was soccer. They showed priests walking in with a, uh, like an altar over their shoulders, and in the middle was a soccer ball hanging down, like what you would have hanging from your rear mirror if you were cool. Um, you know, that's what was hanging there. And then the stained glass window behind the church, soccer ball. Little on the crazy side, I'd have to say. And it was one of those things you're like, wow, that, that's pretty amazing. That, that they would go that far, but that's it. You know, um, I'm not sure if you remember back in the 90s, the, uh, in Colombia, a defender for the Colombians actually scored an own goal against the United States. Like, he kicked it in, and because he kicked it in, it was a draw, and uh, the Colombians didn't make the World Cup. You know that he was murdered? He had death threats put out on his life, and somebody actually succeeded in killing him? Because of an own goal, because they didn't make the World Cup. 
That's how much people idolize soccer around the world. And the thing is, is we think about, wow, that's crazy. But think about the things that we do. The things about, that we idolize, that we put first, the things that we say, this is so important, it will ruin my life if it doesn't happen. I mean, I'm a Packers fan. For years and years and years, they were a complete letdown until Brett Favre came along. And he was like the Messiah. And you go up to Green Bay, and I'm not joking. I mean, that's, that's the way it is. They, they really truly believe that. And then he won him a Super Bowl. And then he lost in the Super Bowl. And then nothing really much progressed after that. And then he threw an interception against the New York Giants, and that was the last thing he did before leaving for the Jets. And he was no longer the Messiah. He was now Satan. You go up to Green Bay. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It's amazing how our idols can let us down and then they become something completely different than what they were to begin with. Some people live in their idols. Some people park their idols in their garage. Some people put their idols in safety deposit boxes. But we all have a tendency to idolize something. What's it mean to idolize? It means to value something more than God. It's been going on really since the beginning of time. I mean, if you really think about it, it isn't anything new that all of a sudden like, oh, wow, they're, we're starting to idolize things. You see, in, in biblical times, there was three main idols. There was Baal, who's the god of sex. There was Mammon, who's the god of money. And there was Molech, the god of violence. And it's not like any of us have a little statue to Baal in our bedrooms or anything like that. Or, or anything to Molech or anything to Mammon. But at the same time, how many times have we gone out and we have spent big money to watch a movie or a TV show that has each one of those things in it. And we see that and we say, oh, man, I would really like to live that lifestyle. You know, it's, it's funny. There's images of wealth. There's images of sensuality. There's images of success. And we say, oh, I just wish that I could have that. I just wish that could be me. And, you know, it, it's funny. I, I sit here and I think, What's this message going to say to anybody? As we're thinking about it all weekend long, we kind of talked about it already last week, you know, saying don't put God or don't put anything before God, put God first. Well, that's kind of the same thing we're talking about today. And I started thinking, you know, I know we're going to have at least seven families gone this morning. You know, we're in, you're a smaller church. You, you start thinking about uh, people are like, oh, yeah, we're going to be on vacation this week. And literally we have seven families that are gone this morning. And you start thinking about those things, and, um, you know, I, I hate to say that, that uh, the numbers of the church or any of those kind of things like that start to, to creep into your mind, but sometimes they do. You know, it, it's probably easy for you to come in and be like, oh, what a down Sunday because we don't have as many people. It looks like more because we set up a whole lot less chairs. Just a little mental game we're playing with you today. Um, the, the thing is, is, is uh, we start thinking about that. And I know pastors that will idolize their numbers. Hey, how was church on Sunday? Oh, we had 750. I didn't say how many people you had. I said, how was church on Sunday? And I found myself starting to do that every once in a while. And people will get the same thing because instead of even asking how church is on Sunday, they'll say, how many did you have on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's it. But the thing that creeps into your brain is, is it's not that. 
you, you start trying to say, well, this is the way it is, and you know, that's not what God ever said, even though there's plenty of numbers in the Bible. You know, God always counted there was 5,000 there when he fed them, even though it was probably more like 15,000. You know, there was, there, he counted the numbers. There was things that, that people will say, yeah, that's it. But sometimes we, we make that to be the most important thing. And, and uh, I found myself, even this morning, literally breaking into a sweat. You will see my shirt is, is somewhat moist. Because I, I literally broke into a sweat this morning going, oh, man, why did we bother setting up? Why didn't we just sit in a circle, <laughs> you know, and, and just do it that way and have a little small group thing because that's going to be it. And, you know, and God's like, you're an idiot, Matt. You really are. And, and I know that already. He just reaffirmed it to me this morning. And, uh, and you know, these are the kind of things that, that I have to be careful in idolizing. These are the kind of things that, that I have to not put first in front of God to say, hey, God, you're in control. You know exactly what you're doing, you know. Next week is Father's Day, and I'm really excited about Father's Day. And I know Scott talked about it. And, you know, some of you are going to be on vacation. Some of you are going to be gone. That's okay. It really is. We'd love to have you here. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you can get your dads out here, do it. But I think even the more uh, exciting thing for me next week is, is the baptism. And the funny thing is that I'm not sure if I have effectively communicated it across the board. Even, even Christy asked me, she's like, you sure you want to do it on Father's Day? And let me explain to you why we're doing it on Father's Day and doing it in the afternoon. We're doing it from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And, and um, uh the reason why we're, we're doing it on Father's Day from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock is we want, you know, your families to be able to take your father, the dads out uh, for lunch and then come over and we're going to have some, some fun stuff to do at the pool party. But there's a kid that's getting baptized next week, and this is the only confirmed. We have three others that are kind of going back and forth. But there, we only have one confirmed baptism next week, and I'm not even doing it. Mike Napier is. But Mike Napier led uh, this kid uh, who is a friend of his son's on the basketball team to the Lord. The parents believe in worshiping Mother Earth and, and all the different kinds of things like that. But this kid wants to be baptized. His mom and dad are coming. He has brothers and sisters that are coming. And he has an entire extended family that are excited to see him get have this happen. None of them are saved. And this is the only day that he can do it. It's the only day that Mike can do it. And I said, well, heck, we are doing it. And if nobody else shows up, I'll be happy to be there to support you, Mike, and I'll go around and talk to everybody else. And I completely understand if you guys don't want to come to it because it's Father's Day and it's one of those things because, yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely that thought process of I'd rather be asleep in my recliner. But at the same time, you know, they have those little floating recliners and you can have kids doing cannonballs all around you. It'll be great. You'll have all kinds of fun. We'd love to have you there. It's from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. But that's how important this is because, because you know, sometimes we, we put little things like our, oh, well, this is my special free time, or this is, we'll make excuses and we will justify why we put these things in front of God, but, you know, I can see God doing some amazing things next week through us and even in spite of us. And I'm excited about it, and I hope that you are too. Um, You know, like I said, there's so many things that that can come in the way of God, and we want to, to have all those things and, you know, maybe not give it back to God and those kind of things like that. But look what it says in Deuteronomy 14, uh, 4, 15 through 16. It says, but be very careful. In some translations, I should say, for your own good. You did not see the Lord's form on the day he spoke to you from the heart of the fire of Mount Sinai. So do not corrupt yourself by making idols in any form. Now, why would God give us a, uh, a command like that? Why would he say, hey, for your own good, don't make idols? Hey, be very careful because these idols can do something. Why would he say that? Well, this is the reason why. Number one, idols will disappoint you. Idols will disappoint you. 
Jeremiah 10, 14, the whole human race is foolish and has no knowledge. The craftsmen are disgraced by the idols they make, for they, their carefully shaped works are a fraud. These idols have no breath or power. How many times have you ever watched TV and seen a commercial for something that you want? Because they do a great job. That, that's their, that is their job, to make a commercial so you want that thing. We watch Nickelodeon quite often in our house, Nick Jr. And the one thing I don't like about Nickelodeon versus Disney is Nickelodeon shows commercials. And in between every show, they, they show a five-minute block of commercials uh, for 25 minutes of whatever else they're doing. During that five minutes, I hear, I want at least six times. Oh, Dad, I want that. Oh, Dad, oh, Dad I want that. I want it. And, and, you know, why? Why do we want it? Some of the toys, I'm like, seriously? They're actually selling that? They're spending money to put a commercial on TV for that product? And, you know, but we have the same problems. What do the commercials say? Hey, if you buy this product, you will be successful. And if you buy this product, the girls will flock to you. And if you buy this product, um, you'll be popular. If you wear our label, you'll be popular. All these different things. My favorite are some of the beer commercials. Because everybody's having a good time in a beer commercial. Everybody's always having a good time. I would love, if I had the money, if I was like some multimillionaire and I had $2 million to blow, I would make a commercial on Super Bowl Sunday, and that commercial would show the after effects of drinking versus the happy effects during. And it would just be nothing but car accidents and dead bodies strewn across the road. That's what I want to do. I want to have fun with that. I think that would be a great commercial. Everybody would laugh. It would be great. You know, and, you know, all these products and things like this, they're trying to sell you, but they're selling you something that will eventually disappoint you. When I was a kid, CD players came out. They were like $700 for one of those five-disc ones. I remember how badly my parents wanted one, and I wanted to be so cool to be able to say, my parents have a CD player. You know how cool it is now to have a CD player? I was at the Denver, uh, Denver Rockies-Arizona Diamondbacks game about two weeks ago, and I'm standing there, and I was a little disappointed in the whole game as it was because the Diamondbacks were not exactly performing to their, their abilities. But the guy that was standing in front of me had a cassette Walkman on, and it made my day. It literally made my day. I'm like, he, where do you even find cassettes? Much less a cassette Walkman. How amazing is that? This guy is awesome. And I'm just sitting there smiling. And he's just, and, and I'm like, wow, good. Thanks for making my day, buddy, because the Diamondbacks aren't doing it for me. And, you know, it, we idolize these things that become worthless. And really, to begin with, they're worthless. And we see those things, and we say, oh, there's all these promises that we have in our lives. And, you know, we have a tendency to put all these things in front of God. People stuff, products, and we think the end result's going to be happiness because we put these things in front of God, and it, what the end result really is is disappointment because they will disappoint you. Second thing idols will do is they'll dominate you. Idols will dominate you. If you're not careful, they will dominate your life. 1 Corinthians 12, 2, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. And some translations say you were controlled instead of swept away. You're controlled by these idols. What's the word we use for controlled today? Addicted. And addiction doesn't just have to be drugs or alcohol or gambling, although all those things fall into that. We try and make those our gods, but 
just stuff, just work, just working out. I mean, think about all the things that we say, hey, this has to come first. This is more important than God. We never would say that out loud because we'd be afraid of getting struck by lightning. But in our actions, we're saying it plenty loud enough. What are the two inevitable effects that happen when you love something more than God? First thing is, is that the thing you love more than God will begin to control you. You will be addicted to it. And you say, well, you know, I can give it up at any time. Well, if you can, then do it. That might not be the 12-step program they'd normally take you through, but that's what I say. If you think you can, then do it. The second thing is you'll be led astray. You lose perspective on the things, uh, on things when God's not first. I mean, how many people have given up on their families when they thought work was more important? How many people have given up on themselves because another person was more important? How many people have given up on integrity when they thought fame was important? You know, we look at those kind of things and you just look around and you can see it. And it's loud and clear that we will say one thing and do another because we think something is more important. So idols disappoint, idols dominate, and guess what they also do? They deform. Idols will deform you. They'll change you. They will warp you. You'll lose your uniqueness that God has given you. And that's a sad thing to even think about. Psalm 115.8 says, And those who make idols are just like them, as are all who trust in them. When I was in uh, high school, the alternative movement kind of kicked in, Nirvana and all those kind of things like that. And it was funny because there were all these kids who wanted to be alternative. But then alternative became the norm. So what do you call it? And I never quite understood that because to be against the norm is to be alternative. But when alternative is the norm, it doesn't make any sense. Idols will shape us. Wanting to fit into a crowd will shape us. Instead of wanting to be like God who would shape us if we chose to follow him. You know, there's a, there's a story in the Bible about a rich young ruler who goes to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, um, what's it take to get into heaven? What's it take um, if I wanted to follow you? What's it going to take me to do? And Jesus only tells him and nobody else ever in the rest of the Bible does he ever say this to. But he says, does anybody remember what he tells him? Sell everything. Sell everything, give your stuff to the poor, and then come and follow me. He gets right down to the heart of the issue with this guy. He says, if you want to follow me, you better take the idols out of the way between me and you. And that idol that you have is your stuff. It's your money. And he says, get rid of that stuff. And what's the guy do? He says, my idols, I think, are too important. And I'm going to choose to follow them instead. And it was that simple. And he walked away. And he left God. My question is, if, God were to, if you were to walk up to Jesus, if Jesus were standing in this room in a physical presence, and he would stand right there, and all of us would be in complete and total awe because we'd be like, you look totally different than all the pictures I've ever seen. Um, the, uh, Jesus is standing here, and we all walk up to him, and we say, Jesus, I really want to follow you. What would he say to you? And what would he say to me? I mean, in all honesty, what would he say, this is what you have to go and give up if you want to follow me? And how would you respond? Because it's easy to respond when you're sitting here on Sunday morning, but when Monday comes around, or when Sunday afternoon comes around, It's real easy to go back and say, okay, I did my thing with God on Sunday. Now I'm back to where my idols are at on Monday. What will we do? It's funny, I I heard somebody ask me this uh, a couple weeks ago. And they said, have you ever noticed how hard it is to to give $50 to God, yet how easy it is to give $50 to Walmart? And I was like, wow, that's 
something I never really thought about before, because generally a grocery bill, yeah, here you go, here's your $50. But when it comes to God, it's like, eh, well, you know, uh, it's hard to let go of things that we think are more important than God, that God can't provide for us. There's a, a story of a family that was going home from church, and the, and the father was complaining about the service. He said, oh, the sermon was too loud, or too long, the music was too loud, the building was too hot, and the kid in the back seat chimes up and said, hey, Dad, what do you expect for a buck? You know, I mean, in, in all honesty, you know, <laughs> some of you will get that on your way home. Uh, it's all right. Um, you'll just start laughing out loud in the car, and people next to you will think you're funny. But, uh, you know, if we let go of our idols, how much better will things be? If we put God first and worship Him alone, that's the second part of the commandment. One was don't idolize, two was worship God alone. And as we take a look at that, we've talked about it before, but the question needs to be you know, continually asked and answered. What is worship? And worship means giving something my highest love and devotion. And you know what? Only God deserves that. And we know that. There's not a person, there's not a career, there's not one thing. There's not one thing that de- deserves more devotion than God, that deserves more loyalty and time than God. But you know what? People believe the lie that's been going on for years. But that's not the case. I mean, Paul had to deal with it with the the church in Rome. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, it says this. It said, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. How many religions are guilty of that? Worshiping the creation versus the creator. How many of us are guilty of that? You know, we take a look around and it's so funny because there are just gobs and gobs of rational, intelligent people on this planet. And yet they choose to worship the creation versus the creator. How can they rationally make that decision to worship a rock? I'm not sure if you've ever been to Sedona, Arizona, but there are a lot of weird people there. And the reason why is because they're worshiping rocks. And they're all normal people coming out of normal business practices and things like that. But they decided, hey, you know what? I hear a hum up in Taos. So you know what? Let's hum. Let's worship that hum. It just Rationally, we can laugh about it here, but there are people that are actually doing it. There's actually people out there saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I like the creation better than the creator. And, and they, they do that, and, it, you know, it, it just it blows my mind how people can get down and worship a tortilla that has the face of Jesus in it. And I've seen it happen. Make it on the news where there's a grilled cheese. Hey, I flipped my grilled cheese over, and Jesus' face was there. And it was like, ah! You know, let's put it under a glass and save it. It's going to be great. You know, it, that's not Jesus. It's a grilled cheese. I don't care if his face is on it or not. Eat it. It's still grilled cheese, okay? Um, the, the thing is, is we, we start getting into this and, and statues and all these kind of things like this, and it just doesn't make any sense until we really look at the reasons why people do it. And I think there's three reasons why people do it. And the reasons why are this. Number one, it's an attempt to limit God's location. It is an attempt to limit God's location because really if you think about it, how threatening is God if he's in a statue? Because if you're standing in a room and Jesus is standing there or Mary's standing there or whatever statue standing there or this rock that you're worshiping or this crystal that you have, whatever it is, if you leave the room, no longer has power over you. I mean, in all honesty, 
when we try to make God like us and try to make him small and finite and, you know, only able to be present in one area, you know, we look at those kind of things like that. If I don't like what God's doing, if I don't like the way he's looking at me, if I don't like what I'm doing and I know he doesn't like what I'm doing but I don't want to feel guilty about it, I can just go to the other room. Or I can just go away or I can just leave it at church on Sundays. We look at those kind of things, we think about that, and you're like, oh, you know. How creepy is it anyway to think that there's a God that is everywhere and he knows everything that you're doing? Pretty creepy. I mean, in all honesty. We like to try and get away with stuff, but we're not. Plain and simple. Second thing is, after an attempt to limit God's location, is to attempt to reduce God's power and size. How threatening is he when he's a statue? You know, I mean, we said this is where he's limited to, but how, how much threat is there in a statue? It's just a, just a little thing. I, I thought about, um, they, ha- they sell Jesus bobblehead dolls. And uh, I thought about bringing one and putting it right here and just leaving it here, but I didn't know if that'd be sacrilegious or not, so I just left that idea alone. But I thought every time I moved the table and he shook his head and he had a little finger that does this also that, that shakes with it, and you kind of think to yourself, oh, that'd be kind of funny because no, 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 you know. And that, that's kind of what we do all the time. And we have... Um, we have the, the statue. We say, okay, well, I can see it there, so I, I better be good, and I better, you know, all those kind of things like that. And we, we try and limit it to that thing. We limit it to that. Have you ever talked to somebody that isn't really, um, for sure, not a Christian, but doesn't even really go to church and things like that, and they want to give you their idea on what they think God is? Let me tell you something. I don't care. I don't care what your idea on God is, because... That right there tells me who God is. And I can have any idea I want, and you can have any idea you want, but we're wrong unless it goes with this. And it's kind, of, it's kind of funny because I can get up here and say, hey, you know what, God is a frog, and he's also a cow, and he's also a dog. And uh, so when you go home today and you go to feed your dog, understand that, that God is in there, and uh, you need to treat that dog with the utmost respect. I could say that, but I hope all of you know that I'm an idiot. I would hope that. But it was funny, you know, Scott and I were talking, it was either yesterday or the day before, but all these people um, that was on, it was on a Nightline or something like that, I think you said, that uh, all these people that claim to be the Messiah and all these other people that follow him. And it just kind of blows your mind to say, what, what in the world? I and mean, we're trying to reduce God's power and God's size because why? Because it's easier to change who God is in our minds than change ourselves in God's. That's why we do it. We say, hey, you know, I don't want to have to change my lifestyle. I don't get into much of, of all the, the weird stuff that goes on too much in the world, but I, I've never quite understood the fact that there could be a, a gay church. I don't know if anybody else can't wrap their mind around it, but I'm pretty sure the Bible's very clear about that. And yet they just cut that part out because they don't want that part. That's not what God's intended us to be, but we're trying to change him to be like us versus us changing to be like him. And that really leads to our third point. We want to control God. We want to control God. I mean, we want God to be a genie. We want him to stay in this bottle until we rub it. We ask for something, for some sort of blessing. We want to be able to manipulate the situation. We want to say, God, I went to church today, so I want you to make my football team win today. We want to be able to say that. And I know that that sounds dumb, but I've said it in my own head. God, seriously just let the Packers win because I went to church today. You know, I promise I'll be good for the rest of the week. 
you know, we, we, say, we try and manipulate God into those kind of things. Just, just watch any major sporting event and people are sitting there like this praying. What's the prayer that's going out of their minds and going out of their hearts right now? God, please let my team win and I will do better. I will be better if you just do this. How about you just be better? Instead of making it a manipulation of God in some way. You know, we do those kind of things because we want to be able to control God. And that's not the way God wants it. He says, worship me alone. Worship me alone. And you want to see the benefits from worshiping God alone? I know that that's not the reason why we're supposed to worship God alone. But there are benefits that come with it. And here they are. It'll delight you. It will fulfill you. There's fulfillment that is found when we put God first in our life and we love Him first. God tells us we will experience all the fulfillment in life that we've been looking for everywhere else. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and He will give you your heart's desires. You see, if you find your happiness in God, if you find your delight in God, He will fulfill you. In all those products that you think you have to have to have fulfillment, and all those things, and all those people, and all that stuff. He says, listen, if you just put me first, if you just listen to me. I don't know how many of you have come uh, to the Lord later in life, but I could almost bet you could agree with this more than somebody who came to the Lord when they were five, six, seven, because you've tried some of those things and said, oh, well, I could only find God here, or here, or here. And then an eye-opening reality comes that, only God can provide that for that empty spot that's in you. Fulfillment. Put Him first, love Him first, worship Him first, and He will fulfill your needs. Romans 10, 11. Uh, Paul is talking to the church in Rome, and he's quoting back to the book of Isaiah in, in uh, chapter 28, verse 16. He says, trust in God, and this is, this is kind of a paraphrased version, paraphrased version, but it said, trust in God, and guess what? You won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed. Don't accept substitutes. Trust in God, not the other temporary stuff. Second thing is, is this. It will deliver me. It will deliver me. You will have freedom. The Bible says you'll experience freedom like you've never felt before if you just put God first in your life. John chapter 8, verses 31, 32, and, and 36 is, Jesus said to the people who believe in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. That's such a misquoted thing from Jesus. We say, oh, yeah, the truth will set you free. Well, we have to understand who the truth is when we're saying that, and that is Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And if you understand the truth and you follow the truth and you follow his teachings, the truth will set you free. And John eight thirty six says, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. You are truly free. How is that? How is that possible? Well, it boils down to this. If we live to please God and obey God only, we won't worry about anybody else. How many times in your life have you worried about pleasing somebody else? I did this morning. Worried about, oh, well, I've got to make sure to say it properly in this way because I don't want to offend anybody. And... You know, but God's Word has got it. And if I worry about pleasing God, that's all I need to really worry about. It will set me free. Obeying Jesus sets us free. Our past is forgiven. Our present is filled with the power to overcome current obstacles. And our future is filled with hope of knowing where we're going. That's freedom. 
The third thing is it will develop you. It develops a full potential inside of you. Do you realize you become like what you love? You become that way. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. You see, if you love God, you're going to change more like Him. If you love money, you're going to become more materialistic. If you love yourself, you're going to become more selfish. But if you love God, you'll become more like Him. You'll become more Christ-like. And isn't that the whole goal? Isn't that what we've talked about from the very beginning? Come as you are, be changed like God, and then because of that, you go change the world? As we change like God and we become more patient, more kind, more loving, more gentle, you know, all these things, the list goes on and on. And as that takes place in our life, we say, hey, you know what? We can change the world. We really can because God is in our lives. First one, put God first. Second one, worship God alone. My question for you this morning is, do you know God? Do you really know God? Do you know Him as your personal Savior? Have you put Him first in your life? Because it's really difficult to say, yeah, you know, um, I believe in God. I believe in who God is. Well, you know what? The demons do the same thing. The Jehovah's Witness, they do the same thing. The Mormons, they do the same thing. But do you know that Jesus Christ is your Redeemer? That He is yours and mine and the world's Messiah? Do you guys know that? And have you, have you come to a point in your life where you've made that, that decision to make a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Because that is how you put Him first. And that is how you worship Him alone. Because you can't say, I follow the Ten Commandments and not know God. Because that's where it all starts at, is knowing God and putting Him first and worshiping Him alone. If you don't know God as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you this morning to make that decision. Scott, would you come as we, as we pray?